0: Hello folks, how are you? You're listening to a new Pretender to Contender episode. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. We got a great episode. I got Jeff Levine coming on with me in a few moments. Jeff Levine, owner of Silk City Hot Sauce. We talk a lot about some cool stuff today. This was a really, uh, it's really long. It's really long. Uh, as my hair, as my hair, as you can see on camera, people that are watching it on camera, I'm putting these up on YouTube now. Uh, I'm growing my hair out. I'm growing it long. It's in an in-between stage. It's, uh, nine feet high. It's getting long on the sides a little bit. You can't really tell unless you're watching, but, uh, I'm having fun with it, man. My beard's long. Going rock star, dude. That's all it took. It's two weeks, me in the School of Rock, being in a band and playing hard to handle and Tom Petty's uh, American Girl. That's all it took is for me to go, you know, i got to grow my hair long while I still have it before I'm an old man, even though I am an old man at 54. But this is a great episode. Uh, Jeff and I talk a lot about what am I doing right and what am I doing wrong? What is, why am I still a pretender and not a contender? And how do I get there? Um, And we figure it out. And uh, we come up with a pretty interesting idea when we talk. And, of course, he's doing real well with his Silk City hot sauce. Uh, I had a flavor that I couldn't stop eating, which was, uh, oh, my God, this uh, Mango Madness. You got to go to SilkCityHotSauce.com and get Mango Madness. Oh, my God. Dude. It's not even like hot sauce. I said, this stuff's more like salsa. Like, I could just dip chips in this stuff and eat it like a crazy man. I actually licked the plate. That's how good it was. Get it. Oh, my God. And he's going to make a Joe Mattarise flavor. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, And we're going to be selling that at my shows. If you want to come and see me live, you got to come out, man. You got to come out. Joe Let's give you, uh, as the song's probably going to end here, let's start it over again and uh, really give you the uh, the down low on everywhere that I'm going to be playing. So uh, the 30th, I'm doing Soul Joels out there in uh, Jeffersonville, PA. Soul Joels. I'll be doing a Home for the Holiday show on December 30th in between Christmas and New Year's. That one's selling well. Go get tickets to that. JoeMatterese.com. Then, in January, my God, I'm starting to get a lot of gigs, and I hope they keep the, I, I hope they keep going. So, uh, I'm going to be at the Parks Casino in Ben Salem, PA. I'm going to be in Fairfield, Connecticut at the Fairfield uh, Theater Company, FTC there. I think that's January 21st. I'm not going to give you all the dates, but you can go to the joematteries.com to get tickets to these if you happen to live in any of these cities that I mentioned. So Fairfield, Connecticut. I'll be in Levittown, Long Island. I'll be in Bohemia, Long Island. These are in January. Then in February. Wait a second. I missed a major one in January. I'm going to be at the Borgata in Atlantic City, the 7th, 8th, and 9th of January. Go down there if you wanna see me. Borgata A C, January 7, 8, and 9. So February, uh, I got a bunch of stuff in Florida down there. I'm going to be in Coral Gardens, West Palm Beach, Miami, Florida, and Isla Morada, which is like the northern uh, keys there of Florida. Come on out. In February, I'll be down there with my wife and kids. I'm going to meet up with them after the uh, four- or five-day tour I'm on is done. I'm going to meet them back up in the West Palm area. So JoeMatterice.com, that's it, okay? Everybody, and uh, God, did I not put the banner up? You got to have the banner up. There it is. If you want to email me, you want to email me at matterys67 at gmail.com and you want to advertise on my TikTok, I think we're at 83,000 followers. If you want to do some sort of campaign, do something with me like Silk City Hot Sauce is about to do, contact me at matterys sixty seven. At gmail.com. All right. That's all I wanted to say. Let's get to the talk with Jeff Levine, owner of Silk City Hot Sauce. We're talking a lot about branding and what it takes to be successful and what's working and what doesn't work and all that. Man, my hair looks ridiculous. All right. We'll be right back, everybody, with Jeff Levine. Everybody, welcome to uh, I'm, I'm Talking with Jeff Levine again from last week the owner of Silk City Hot Sauce and we're talking about sexuality and uh if it's okay or if it isn't okay and in and how it relates to deciding who you are and what you're trying to put forth for your business and if it's a good thing or a, a, and how you could turn people off but then you can turn people on at the same time and I was just saying to him well I thought we were recording that my wife Used to, you know, she's a little bit more woke than me and would have a problem with that stuff and make comments about jokes along the way that she thought were pushing the limit too much. And, uh, and I said to Jeff, I remember what Patrice O'Neill, the comedian who I admired and was hilarious, said that if you're, if everybody likes you, you suck and you really can't go for that. And And it's, and it's probably difficult um to know which way you want to go and I said to Jeff when we weren't recording I feel like before I was married and had kids and I was a dad I didn't have to worry about what was being put forward and now that I am especially having a daughter I have to think about that cuz they're going to they're going to stumble on your stuff at some point in their life um hopefully you give them a strong enough backbone if they look at some label on your hot sauce and there's a sexy girl on it they're not they think it's great like what what's wrong with you know and it's a drawing <laughs> it's not like you put her picture on there right you have My a daughter family. right
1: right yeah i have i have i have a daughter and um and uh and she 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 loves she loves silk city hot sauce she loves the labels um does she eat it Uh, she, yeah, she's only two, but, uh, I started putting hot sauce on her food. Actually, uh, the first time she ever had hot sauce. Um, do you remember when, when, when your kids first started eating and you, you, you would start like sharing the macaroni and cheese and, and, uh, and all like the kid stuff, like fish steaks and chicken fingers and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, sort of one of my favorite parts of, uh, this age is sharing all that stuff. It's been like forever since I had fish steaks, but, um, I made her a big pot of macaroni and cheese a few months ago, and uh, and then she ate, and she doesn't she doesn't really eat a lot. And then she uh, she was finished, and I said, "Are you done?" And she she basically said, "Yeah, I'm done." So I took her, I took what was left, and I poured, actually poured the Ghost Whisper, which is one of my hottest, on her mac and cheese, and said, "Okay, now Daddy's gonna eat it." So I started eating it, and after after whatever was in her belly settled down, she said she wanted more. So I said, Oh no. So, (laughs) so I said, are you sure? I, I, uh, I put hot sauce on it and she, she said more, give me more. So I gave her some and she put it in her mouth and her first reaction was she was stunned. She was definitely stunned. It was spicy. It was really spicy. And as a dad, I was like, Oh my God, what have I done? And then Mm I, you know, I was kind of watching her waiting for a reaction, waiting to, you know, get, get the milk to calm it down. And I said, "You want some more?" And she said, "Yeah, I want some more." <laughs> so she she's into it. Um, but uh, my wife my wife likes my labels too. Uh, the the brand is an homage to 1940s and 50s hard boiled crime fiction. The comic books um, are play a role because I I hire comic book artists to do the to do the drawings. But my my favorite thing is actually. The 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 crime novels from the 40s and 50s, stories by guys like Raymond Chandler, Dashiell Hammett, James M. Kane, really hard hitting stuff. If you've seen movies like The Maltese Falcon, or sure. um, gosh, any like any, I mean, even even uh, even Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction was an homage to stories that were were used to come out in monthly periodicals in the 40s and 50s and, and before that too. And on the cover of every every one of those hard-boiled uh, fictions uh, back in the day were beautiful hand painted drawings of tough guys fighting it out, beautiful uh, sexy women caught in the middle, and it was it was you know something that was like so appealing that caught people's eyes, and uh, and, and and nowadays they're you know big collectors' um, items uh, for for the artwork, uh, let alone the stories inside. Um, there was something that was o- always appealed to me were those great those great covers um, but the women aren't always um, the, the the lesser in the scenario that's being presented on the on the on the la- on my label or in the on the books sometimes the women
0: have the upper hand even though they're dressed sexy so sure well yeah. I think what happens is is you have and it's it's so similar in how I said to you last week how all people, that are in this creative entrepreneurial field could uh, help each other out by discussing this stuff. Cause it's so similar um, where you could, you know, you do a joke and sometimes people don't have the information in their brain. Like my wife is an intellectual, you know, so there's so much stuff because she's been studying and reading so much in her life about the brain that she didn't, like we watched west side story the other night the original Mm -hmm. and she had never seen it and i'm like you never saw this like done at a high school like as the school play even that and she's like no i'm like you don't even know the music in west side story i mean it's like a part of american culture like and she's like no and i'm so we watched it you know but and there's been lots of moments like that so like and I remember Bill Burr who is another comedian I admire. He once I saw him on stage once a long time ago and he goes, "Listen folks, you're going to have to bring it up because I'm not bringing it down." That's <laughs> like I don't know what to do. This is where I go and if you're too dumb to get it, I I can't help it, but I'm not dumbing it down for you. So um but I think and this is something I've struggled with And it's probably one of the reasons, and it's good to talk about it on Pretender to Contender. Mm -hmm. It's probably one of the reasons why I'm not at a super high level. Because I know for a fact, I'm somebody that struggles with knowing who he is. Because my comedy can go so many different ways. Like I'm doing this remember when thing, and I've been doing it for over a year, year and a half. And there's moments where I'm like, it starts to get boring when I when I strap myself into a locked in place. Hmm. I hear my wife coming upstairs. I'm gonna have to go pick up my daughter in a second. We're gonna have to continue. I'm about to leave. All right. I always leave at three o'clock. Just so you know. All right. I just just got I gotta go um, get my daughter. Are you available when I come back? I just gotta go pick her up at school. Yeah, man. I'm here. I'm here for the rest of the day. Absolutely. All right. I will. Uh, I guess. Can I just leave this run? No, I don't want to leave it running. We'll we'll reconvene. It'll probably be the same link, but I'll text you when I'm back.
1: Okay. I was just yeah. I was I was looking
0: for a sexy cover uh, here. In show my, me one.
1: My comic book collection. But uh, you know what I'll do? I'll uh, later when we when we reconvene. <laughs> fine I'll, I'll, I'll take some nice uh, some cool covers uh, out from my collection to uh, yeah. Pull them out. Pull them out,
0: and we'll show them when I cut. i I should be back in like twenty five minutes. Okay. Cool. All right. See you. Ten four all right and we are back hello everybody so you, got, so you got some pictures you want to show us
1: i did i was just slipping through uh this book called pulp culture the art of fiction magazines now yeah uh, just to give everybody the the backstory back in the 1910s 20s 30s 40s 50s they used to print um short stories in uh, magazines that were called the pulps they called they were called pulps because the paper that the um publishers used was the cheapest uh, kind they could use it was literally like made from the pulp of um the cheapest pulp in the indi- in the paper industry and uh that's where they get their name and every month the uh, different titles would, would would put out their magazines, and there were great, great titles like Ace G-Man or Battle Birds. Now, these weren't comic books; these were actual works of fiction. Uh, there were there were sport pulps. Check this out; you'll you'll dig this. Oh, fight wow. stories! Fight magazine. Jack Dempsey's fight magazine. There were westerns. There were science fiction pulps like famous fantastic stories. I mean, this stuff is absolutely classic. the The stories in here have 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 uh, have inspired the great filmmakers of of, of today. Uh, all the great, all the great science fiction movies. All the great detective movies all the great action flicks it 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 it, it all comes from an era an, an american uh literary uh magazines called the pulps and um all the stories that are featured in these magazines come from people's imagination that's basically what i was going to get at which was, um, I respect people that that, that, that study the, the uh, anything that's uh, in the world of nonfiction. But for me, I'm a fiction guy. I always have been. I love stories that are that that are that are coming out of people's imagination, and that's and that's what uh, that's what my uh, my labels are. For example, it's artwork that's uh, coming out of somebody's imagination, and um, some you know wh- whether whether a woman is is depicted as sexy or not is is, is almost uh, is almost not even the point. There's just it's it's all a mat. it's all made up in 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 the mind. But uh, sexy sexy women that were painted on the cover of those magazines or or sexy women that are on the cover of my hot sauce. It's it's, uh, it's sort of a byproduct of what uh, what I enjoy looking at. If um uh, like I I don't think that I don't think I think that human sexuality is is has been has been appealing to people for thousands and thousands of years, thousands. The Egyptians painted their eyes and wore makeup and made themselves look pretty. Um, it's it, 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 I'm not a scientist, but it probably goes like very deep into our subconscious when we're when we're looking for a mate, when we're when we're trying to uh, uh, you know ex- extend our, our species into the next the next generation. How do we do that by 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 sex, right? So uh, I think there's I think there might be something very deeply ingrained in in in, in human
0: human beings too well i think i think the the point here to be said is it's like the difference between racism and non-racism and Mm -hmm. and how sometimes people depict something being racist just because somebody says something that somebody else said that was racist and they're conveying it and now you're pinned as some racist person you're like no i'm just telling you what happened? Hmm. How can I tell you what happened without saying what happened? So it's like, there's a difference between, you know, uh, somebody like, uh, <laughs> and somebody listening right now might love them is like, um, why am I forgetting the guy who owned uh hustler magazine? That's, um, and they did the movie about him with, uh, uh, Woody Harrelson, right? Uh, Larry Flint, Larry Flint, right? Right. I couldn't get that name. Larry Flint is like someone you know. is just there. There's going to be somebody out there that thinks what Larry Flint did was like artistic, you know. And other people are like, you're out of your mind. Like it's just it's over the top. Uh, uh, just you know, uh, pornography. So, uh, it's the same with comedy or whatever you do if you have the no to back up what you're trying to convey you're fine so but you know there's always going to be people that are going to take it the wrong way oh well you can't you it's like what bill Burr said and i said before you can't drop it down for the person you can't go oh i'll make it safer and i'll make these women less sexual if that's what you're you want to do and like it's it's so true. We all have our
1: own taste. And how could I, in my in my right mind, tell you that your
0: taste in something is wrong. is wrong? It happens all the time for a comedian. I'm curious. I mean, you know how many shows I've had where people come up afterwards and they feel like they have to say their peace of mind because they took something a different way than what it was even meant? And now, like, they're, the worst is when i used to say when they do it when i'm doing business it's like uh it's like uh i'm selling merch and someone comes up and gets in the line and starts an argument it's like thanks a lot you just killed me for money here it's like i'm curious for you because you go to these trade shows you got to set up a booth does anyone ever come up in the middle of the action and have a problem out loud has it ever been voiced yeah definitely um
1: just over the summer, I was out in the, at the flea market and uh, got the badass Jew right out front and center. Mm-hmm. And badass Jew, I knew going into it that it was going to perk people's attention. And um, I was, you know, I, I, I shouldn't say I wouldn't, I wasn't curious how people were going to take it. But my, 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 new, my, my, uh, my knee-jerk reaction when we created the artwork was how could anyone be offended By something called badass Jew. It's 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 uh, it's like the opposite of of making fun of a Jewish person. It's calling them badass. But I quickly learned that uh, some people that uh, that see that would just just uh,
0: just just get offended from from immediately from the word from the word. That's what I'm saying. I had a joke. And it was so funny. I did it like on three different television shows. And I swear to God, each network made me say it a different way. But they still let me do the joke, which was to me, it should be any way you say it. It should be okay because because it's positive, which is a Jewish girl wanting to go out with, or me wanting to go out with this Jewish girl. She tells me she won't go out with me. Do you know this one? Uh, It's it's familiar to tell it. Okay, so she won't she won't go out with me cause I'm not Jewish. And I ask her why. And she goes, I have to marry another Jewish guy, you know, cause of the Holocaust, we have to get our race going. And I go, I've lived in LA. I've lived in New York. I mean, you guys are back. Right. <laughs> so that one, I used to be like, I hate it. If I had to say it after the joke and go, you guys are back. This is great. Like, I hate it. If I ever had to say that, I'm like, why are you telling them that? Like, I remember Nick DiPaolo giving me advice before going. Stop softening the blow and trying to make it like okay. Like I would, I had a lot of jokes where I'd be like, "Don't take this wrong," and then I would say the joke. He's like, "Stop doing that," and I'm like, "I don't even know why I do it. I, I I think it's from like, it's from being around my wife and her family,
1: right? But you're also you're also also, uh, somewhat some somewhat of an empath too. I wouldn't be surprised if you're feeling the energy in the room. Either you're feeling it correctly or it's it, it's sort of a figment of your of your of your like kinetic powers. But something is telling you that that something is off in the room. I uh, I can relate to that, which is which is which is why I, I bring it up. You know, you can you can sort of you can sort of almost like a connection between your 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 feelings in the crowd, just like when you're vibing good with somebody, you you could feel it or you know like a you ever look across the room and see there's like a group of guys or whatever and you're like we're going to fucking have a fight tonight i know it i don't know when it's going down but right. they're definitely they're definitely conspiring in the corner to throw down with us tonight
0: and and sometimes you're right yeah you are right you can feel it you definitely yes you're right that and it's like a good comedian like nick or somebody like that might say who cares that they feel that that's their own deal don't worry about them (laughs) he's right um it's always been a struggle for me like i said no and i know that's the reason where why me as a comedian is where i am it's like if you look at my stand-up from before marriage to now my brother lays into me a lot like you mentioned earlier but you said you didn't want to hurt your brother's feelings. That your brother was someone that had a problem with your artwork, mm-hmm. and my brother will have a problem with my stuff the other way, where he's like, "Dude, why all your jokes are so clean now?" Like he loves like when he watches Nick Tapalo's stuff, and Nick is swinging hard. Like he loves it. That, but my brother's kind of you know, my brother's a, a right wing guy, so he and so is Nick. So he, he appreciates the angle, but even me, I'm not a right wing guy and I still love it and laugh because I, I like no holes barred comedy. I've always, I always have. And I used to get confused because I'm like, I'm not that guy, but yet I like that. So I used to, it's like, you know, you get stuck with that sometimes as a comedian, especially when you're coming up. You start trying to be like guys that you like and then you sit there and go, well, that's not my personality, though. Like, I love Bill Hicks and Sam Kennison and I want to be able to do jokes like that that are harsh. Um, I had another one about this k- guy hitting a woman on the subway I, on my, in my first comedy special. My wife couldn't even be in the room if that joke came on on the TV. Like, or if I was like editing it, like, cause I helped with some of the editing, she's like, Oh, I hate that joke. And I was like, You're not, I don't know. Like, the crowd's applauding. So they're not offended by it and they're agreeing. It was just a, a joke about this guy who's getting taunted by this woman on the subway and she's hitting him. She's physically hitting him. And at one point, she, she well, she's not, she's trying to just miss and then she hits him hard by accident hits him in the face, and knocks his phone out of his hand on the subway. And it's all on video, and it goes sliding across the floor. Mm -hmm. And she's just shitting on this guy, calling him all these names. And then you just see all of a sudden when the phone gets hit, like that's all it took to switch the flip. It just flipped the switch, and he just stood up, and with an open hand, he just whammed her right in the face. Mm -hmm. And I would say this on stage, and I go, I don't know if I'm getting older, but when he did it at I'm watching it going, yes, like (laughs) fucking deserve that shit. And I had a whole bit about guys shouldn't hit women, but one total bitch a year should be okay, Right. (laughs) And like when the like just how you giggled right there, there's a little piece of everybody. And I don't even you know, I don't even know if, if a woman it's like how I sit there and go, if there's not a piece of a woman that can think if a guy's getting slapped in the face over and over and he, some woman knocks this guy's phone out of his hand for no reason that he should never be able to do anything in self-defense. Like, I I don't know. Like, and my, I would get in arguments with my wife and her sister especially about this shit if I would say how I truly felt and try to prove it. They would go, "Can you just shut up? We don't even want to have this conversation anymore." I'm like, "No, I do." Cuz I'm the comedian guy. Like I want to I'm want to I I can't stand it if you don't know the way I really feel. I need to explain that. So um I don't know. This this is, a, this is a fun little chunk of being in business, you know, of, of figuring it out. And I have a friend who owns a comedy club, and he used to say one of the keys to being a successful comedy club owner is you got to know how to turn assholes back into nice people. Mm-hmm. So if someone had a problem with a comedian, he was good at going over and making that situation okay again, because it happens a lot where people are offended by jokes, especially now. So... I think it's especially um, I think it's especially tough for you guys because
1: people are drinking uh in clubs and that always that always changes the vibe
0: yeah, no matter what.
1: Right? I mean if you So David, what happens
0: do have you ever gotten emails or people coming up? How do you diffuse the situation? Um I I got a
1: couple of emails during the pandemic when uh we were I was sponsoring um you know Mark DeMayo, the uh retired policeman comic? Yeah. He has a he has a cool podcast called Police Off the Cuff with uh, yeah. uh, Sergeant uh, Bill. Um, uh, forget his last name, uh, it's but like uh, three
0: cops on that podcast. Right? Yeah, and they bring on cops, like they they bring,
1: yeah uh, police off the cuff. They they bring on uh, they bring on cops from all over the country and telling cool stories. And uh, I was sponsoring the show for a few months and uh, started getting started getting letters that I was supporting uh racism because so I just oh, ignored, the I just show was
2: <laughs> racist
1: yeah because it was during the whole the whole right. cops are pieces of shit uh, right. movement and right. uh, everybody that isn't a cop is is okay i just mm-hmm. i like the podcast they have really interesting stories to tell about their careers and um and uh, i just i just ignored those emails i uh I, I I responded to one and I said, "Listen, I'm not. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, we sponsor a show. It's it's, it's a story. You know, it's, a, it, it's about you know policemen telling stories about uh, their life. And uh, I don't know if you listened to any of the episodes. I told her, but there's there's women and there's Hispanics and black and Asian and white and Jewish cops, right. all kinds of different cops.
0: So I don't know where she was. I don't know where she was. Uh, well, that's what's good. Out. You you mostly should ignore it. I'm curious." It's impossible to ignore when it's when it's done in person and they come right up to you. Like if you're at like you said, you, you set up your booth and you're giving out samples to things and someone comes over and sees it and then starts a, uh, an argument. Has that ever happened? Uh, no. Like,
1: hey, uh, well, yeah, actually, thank God. No, not yet. It probably will next time I uh, set up.
0: But uh, like, the, I, you I knew- know, I guess that's when you know your numbers are getting crazy big. Because there's yeah. probably no way to avoid that. Have you have you ever been to a comic con or anything like that? No, and it's funny you you got me thinking that that's something in my career that I need to jump back into, and it's very hard because it costs money to to, to, to for for comedy. I mean, there's like there's festivals, right? They're not really conventions. I guess the what's a what's the big one? South by Southwest. That's a convention and they'll do comedy there, I guess, a little bit. Right. But usually you have to be invited to do it. And sometimes as as a comedian, you feel like if you're not invited, you shouldn't go. Whereas that's what's good about having a different kind of business, you just buy a space and you're able to go because you paid to have your booth in the thing. It doesn't work that way with comedy. And I wish it did because it's similar. We have a brand. So like the Montreal Comedy Festival used to be the biggest one really in the world. There were two huge festivals, Montreal and Edinburgh, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, I never did Edinburgh. Edinburgh was a little bit different where you would do your show every night for a month. You had to, they would give you a space to do it. But you had to put yourself up for a month. You had to pay for that. And then you had to hustle and try to advertise your own show in the city of Edinburgh and try to get people to come. (laughs) And it can be brutal right it's not like it's some sunny beauty it's not like you're in the bahamas trying to do it you're in edinburgh it's a dreary place it's dark it's raining (laughs) yeah but some people have had major success out of it if you like dimitri martin is somebody that put up like a one-man show years ago and it got all this buzz because a lot of the industry's there now through the internet and social media and everything that goes on a lot of the big industry people don't go to these festivals anymore they stop going because they don't need to they can Tell what everybody's doing by looking at their YouTube page or their Instagram or their TikTok or whatever. So, going to Montreal used to be like a chance to go from zero to a hundred by having one good set in front of all the right people, right? Wow. So, but there, there were never booths. Like, that would be cool if you. Cause every, cause comedy is more like a product now than it used to be where you totally. just set it up and you're like, this is like, here's my merch. Here's this, here's a, here's a, a show that I shot. This is my pitch for this show. Like it would be cool if they did it that way. Dude, that's such a good, that's such a good idea.
1: I'm just thinking about you setting up a booth, say next to me for, and, and I'm thinking about what I do with these conventions. I'm like, I'm always right out front and I'm inviting people over to my booth. And I, I think I am uh, pretty good, um, talking to people. I get like into I get into a vibe. I can go four, five, six hours, stay strong. And then I know how you guys feel after you do shows because you spend a lot of fucking energy and you just want to go back to the room and chill or watch TV or read or do whatever. But uh I could picture you and you're in your booth and just in like a in a standard ten by ten with your merch. And when people come up, as opposed to come up to my booth and and uh me pitching hot sauce, you you giving them like a mini like 90 second show and then maybe doing a little bit of crowd work on like the four or five people that are like at your booth and being like and and then and then boom introduce them to your your uh, your merch
0: um well what you know the only dead. time i've ever had a booth is when you were in the college market mm-hmm. because to get work at universities all over the country you, um, you would do these festivals. They were broken up into different sections of the U.S. So, you know, you'd have the Northeast, the, you know, the Central, um, you know, you'd have the South. It was all broken up and you'd submit and it would cost you money. It would cost like a hundred and something dollars to submit to each region, hoping you got picked. And if you got picked, it's again, it was a gamble. You had to fly yourself to the to the to the conference. You had to put yourself up in a hotel all on your own money. You had an agent who takes a chunk out of the money, and then you had to do a set. They put you on a showcase with other... It wasn't even all comedians. It could be like a guitar player, then you... And you're showcasing in front of all the buyers from the colleges. So if you did really well on in that 15-minute chunk of time, you could book a whole bunch of schools, and that you'd have a price. You'd have a... Uh, isolated date price and then you'd have a block booking so like they could get you cheaper if like four four schools are all like two hours away from each other so you could do each one each night and block it together they could get you for a cheaper price right and you had a booth set up afterwards so you literally have to do your set afterwards you go into the booth and you just have to stand there with your agent and wait for people to come over and she'd have her booth set up with all of her clients would there be big pictures of them all over the booth then they'd have a tv screen showing little clips of stand-up in case somebody walked by and was like oh that person's funny but that probably never happened and um it was that was the only time i ever did that i mean how much business for you comes out of doing a con- a conference or a convention well and how does it turn over business uh, well, the
1: the conventions are a way for, for me to sell directly to the to the to the to the customer, right? So I'm, I make it, I make the sauce, and then I store it like in uh, you know, in the basement. And then when I do these, when I, when I do these conventions. I rent the booth from the comic book show. So you got to
0: sell, you're trying to sell enough in those few days that it covered what it costs to be there. You're not trying to get a big sale where a store ends up wanting to put it, it in. Their it, exactly. Shop. See, I, I, when I, when I first started, when I first started this business,
1: I went in thinking the same, I went in with the mentality that I'm going to create a brand that's on the, that, that, that people could buy on store shelves, you know, from coast to coast or just in my region. And, and, uh, And I so basically what you do is is similar to uh, uh, getting getting the college gigs Uh, when I first. So, for example, when I first started making hot sauce. I I started attending the the conferences called the New England Maid Show, which is basically exactly uh, uh, like you're 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 uh, you're you're trying to get gigs at the college you set up at like this uh, Sturbridge Hotel Conference Center and you're in this giant uh, you know like ballroom with all brands and and the whole objective was to sell to grocery store buyers to put your product on the shelf but who else are walking around distributors are walking around a distributor is a guy that uh, either has his, has a, as a, uh, a one guy that has a truck that distributes products to stores or there are huge distribution companies like United Natural Foods that have a fleet of a thousand trucks that sell specialty foods to grocery stores from Maine to California. So when I first started this business, the dream was to sell my product to, to, to a distributor like United natural foods. And, uh, but that's, uh, it's a fucking, it's a crazy dream and, 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 uh, uh, impossible to make a living because, they want it they want to buy it so cheap because they're reselling it to the grocery store and then the grocery store is going to mark it up for the consumer so when you're making a product with locally grown vegetables and you're and you're and uh, you're buying bottles at right. at wholesale but not not super cheap like the guy that makes tabasco he buys a million bottles at a time or it has the bottles made for him. Silk city hot sauce doesn't have bottles made for me. I go to the, the, the bottle warehouse and I buy a hundred cases. That's nothing compared to huge corporations that buy 50 million bottles or cans at a time. The price to make a bottle of, of uh, Tabasco sauce is probably two cents, you know, It cost, you know, the uh, it costs like it costs like over two dollars just to make a bottle of Silk City hot sauce because the ingredients are are all real and they're all you know I I don't just I don't have access to those those weird corporate prices. So for a couple of years, I was I was spinning my head around trying to sell my product to grocery stores, and I, I wasn't even doing conventions yet and selling directly to people. I was driving around in my my uh, Toyota Rav four in Vermont and selling out of the back of my truck hot sauce to every little country store from Brattleboro to Burlington all the way from, you know, and, um, and 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 uh, I I was having success I was selling you know a case here a case there a case here you would a case just there. walk
0: into the store
1: oh yeah I walk in with my my Silk City uh, hot sauce T shirt on Silk City hat. Uh, a little brochure with the prices and a little box that uh, of samples that I can leave for them. But what I what I would usually do is open up a bottle right there with the guy that owns the store and say, "Here, you got to try this." I'm down in I'm down in Guilford, Vermont, or Putney, or Brattleboro, or wherever the hell I'm living at the time, and I say, "Here, check this out." It's you know my 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 my, my jalapeno zinger sauce, and then they would they would they would try it. And then I'd say, here, I can leave you a case right now. It's X amount per case.
0: And he would buy the case right
1: there. They would buy it. The, yeah, they would buy it. And then I would add that store to my, my, uh, my, my, my master list of stores that I sold right. my product to. So after like two years, I was selling hot sauce to like 200 stores in Massachusetts and Vermont and New Hampshire, all
0: like in this little area. You know what it's ex- again I always have to compare things it's ex- it's exactly like what I'm doing now which is uh like the clubs a lot of the chain clubs they don't really book me right um they'll book like the guys with the huge following or some sort of youtube guy or someone with a huge podcast those guys get all the bookings at the comedy clubs now and I always wished I'm like, can't you just pay us less, but still book us? Like, why does that have to be a zero? Like, just pay <laughs> me a little bit less or not even a little bit, a lot less than you're going to pay the guy that's going to be able to sell it out every night. He's going to cost you a lot. This is what I would do it for. Why? Because it used to be like that. You could yeah. still go out and make two grand for the week or twenty five hundred for the week. Or even fifteen hundred for the week. Sometimes you would just do it and hope you covered yourself by selling a lot of merchandise while you were there, or just doing it. Sometimes I would do gigs. I'll say I'm honest on this podcast. I, if it's fucking nice, like I would go to Scottsdale, Arizona, in the winter time, right, for like fifteen hundred bucks. I don't care that the flight cost me five hundred. So now I'm down to a thousand, but I'm bringing my wife and kids. We're staying in a hotel with a pool in it. Sometimes I would put myself up in a better hotel than they even gave you and pay the extra, and we'd make a trip out of it, you know. But I would, you know, I loved it, and it was fun doing it for the fun and the love. But, uh, but what it's really similar to is like, and I, I won't give a name, but like this one club has about five or six clubs. They don't, they won't book me anymore. They don't give you the reason either. They'll just say, uh, how about, we give you a Wednesday night. Um, three. I literally just got this offer and I won't say who it is. So if the guy ever hears it, he's gonna know it was him. But I, I'm not slamming him, I'm not saying he's an asshole. He's a businessman, I get it. Mm-hmm. But this is the way he does it he's like, won't give you a weekend, he'll give you a Wednesday night, 300 bucks guaranteed, right? Um, and then or I think a fifty percent of the door, but that's after fourteen hundred dollars in expenses. Like you get that offer a lot. There's always like fifty percent of the door after, and there's always like a a high number that's going to take a big chunk out of it, right? right. He he At knows he, he knows that number is 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 very is unattainable. It's unattainable. So he's gonna, <laughs> he's going to get you for three hundred bucks, and and if you're big enough that you can fucking sell. 250 or 300 seats on a Wednesday night, which is hard as shit on a Wednesday night in the suburb, or this is in a, not in a suburb. It's in a city. But uh, if you were good enough to take that deal, you he would have booked you on the weekend because you're a draw. If you could do it on a Wednesday, you'd really kill it on the weekend. He'd be booking you on the weekend. So to me, I said to my agent, I go, that's just a way of saying no, but it's so funny. But, and and to go the way like you're going with your business. So what I've done, I just go to those cities and I go around them. So like I'm doing that this Valentine's Day. We booked uh we booked two rooms, two like banquet rooms in this hotel in South Jersey where I'm from. Uh it's val- Saturday, two days day two days before Valentine's Day. They're gonna cater food so it'll have a dinner, it'll have uh, like a cocktail hour, there won't be open bar, cocktail hour, comedy show, dinner, and then my buddy who has a draw also is a DJ, and he like has a big following whenever he DJs, he can sell a lot of tickets, he like, because he does door deals now too, because these people try to like fuck you and rip you off, and you got to go around them, so it's like, uh, so we just go in and we do our own thing, like, like what you're doing and like it's so similar to knocking on walking into places going here's my stuff do you want it like okay here's my show valentine's day and then just putting the money into facebook ads and seeing if you can get enough people to go they end up and what i have found from doing this and all comedians should do this if you're listening especially in your hometown areas it's so easy to do in I have two followings. It's like the Philly, South Jersey area and the Westchester, New York area. And that's literally I make my living going back and forth and just finding these little things. But um what it, you just got me thinking with these conventions and stuff cuz one thing I've always known and it's like what you said, I'm pretty good at talking about my hot sauce. I'm i've always when i meet people it almost always turns into a gig somewhere i used to tell people people go why do you podcast they used to say why are you making any money i'm like most of the time no but it makes connections with people that make me money constantly because people they hear how i'm genuine they like me and now all of a sudden they want to do business with me because that's the reason why really rich people like join golf clubs and stuff like that so they can be shooting the shit playing golf and then if they can make their business and fun combined because that's that's, that's the a really key. good point that's a perfect analogy for what uh
1: what we're doing i mean i i, I don't want to let the like the cat out of the bag but these these comic shows and pinball shows that i do i do horror conventions they're really they're really like big just giant multimedia extravaganzas uh from friday through sunday it's not just so fun right because you're learning while you're there it's not just a dealer's room like there's the guy that promotes these shows he has to draw people into the show too they're not drawing people with just a dealer's room with a bunch of smelly comic book dealers selling you know old toys there's like all kinds of shit going on at the shows like during the whole weekend like they bring in uh, this bands, was, bands, was, all yeah, bands and, and, and actresses and actors. I just met with uh, the girl who played Alice in, in, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Dream Warriors, Alice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Alice, uh, her name is, uh, Wilcox, I forget her, her first name, but she came over to my booth and it was like, I was like, holy cow. I couldn't believe it, but she was there and, and wrestlers are getting involved in, in all these cons. Uh, Jake, the snake was at a horror show in Connecticut a few months ago. I was down. My buddy my buddy bought the, a little pop doll. You know those pop dolls? No. Oh, man. Holy cow. There's a company called Pop, and they make these little mini dolls. They look like bobbleheads, and there's a uh-huh. pop doll for everything. Snap, Crackle, Pop, Rice Krispies have their own little dolls, and every wrestler has a doll, and Kiss has dolls. Pretty, pretty much every any identifiable character has a little pop doll.
0: It's and, not a bobblehead?
1: It looks like a bobblehead. It's like it just doesn't bobble.
0: (laughs) And well, uh, I mean, if you really just simplify it, everybody's looking to have fun. They don't want their jobs to feel like work. So they're gonna make these things fun to be at, and then let's do some business while we're all here having a good time. We're all having drinks. We're all it's like that's what people miss the most during. The uh, pandemic, people that had jobs like that, that were used to traveling around and having fun, like especially people that worked in sports. Like I have a friend who lives in my neighborhood. Like he's used to going to the Super Bowl and the World Series and the U.S. Open. Mm -hmm. And like all of a sudden that's taken out of his job and it's all virtual. It's like, fuck, that must have sucked. So then they started mixing comedy into the virtual to try to entertain them during it, you know, because. If it's not fun and it feels like work, it sucks. I uh, I was just just, I was you just sort of
1: reminded me of this great story I uh, heard a long time ago, back uh, back when I was like in my early twenties. I was dating this girl, and uh, her father was like an old madman, and uh, he had he had had like built up a giant uh, printing company in the in New York City in the sixties. When uh, when everybody was moving and shaking and having cocktails at lunch, and uh, you know secretaries were coming in and out of back rooms, and and uh, the guys were you know making you know signing huge deals with Coca Cola and Marlboro, and just everybody was 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 was, uh, was fucking. And um, he was he would he would tell me that uh, that his trick was he had a his uh, a, his own bar that he would that he would uh, negotiate big deals with. With big guy big companies in the city and uh what he would do is he would he would take them out to get to get drunk and he knew he knew all the bartenders and they they knew if he came in and it looked like a serious meeting they would keep bringing drinks but they were they would just pour him uh soda water with like food coloring in it and and give his clients more liquor so throughout the night he was he stayed stone cold sober while his clients just kept getting drunker and drunker and uh, the
0: drunker they got the easier he could land the deal oh man i mean it's so a good funny a good as move. you're talking it's reminding me have you ever seen the seinfeld episode where george uh has to go uh take the clients out for drinks <laughs> and probably. they're drinking like big scotches, and everybody's like, "You bastard!" And they're like laughing, and each guy's calling each other a bastard. Oh, totally, yeah, you know that one. Uh-huh. And they love them, and they call them on the airplane. We gotta get you coming out of here, you bastard! And they're like laughing, and they got the drink. They're like falling down drunk on the private jet, <laughs> and I'm like, that's that's exactly what it needs to feel like, you know? And you see it you see these guys with podcasting networks, some of these comedians that I see, that's one of the reasons they're kicking ass. Like the, uh, this big Jay Okerson does the, uh, what's it called? The, it um, skank? the skank fest, right? It's just like, they're surf, they're, they're stage surfing. They're like, it's a fucking, it looks like it's a blast for young people to go to. So it's a, where I always struggle. I'm like, I'm 54. Like people, my age, like, they're a lot harder to lump in on social media. They're a lot harder to get. They don't have time. Anytime I invite them to do shit, they don't want to do sure. it. They're like, nah, I got my kids got two games and I got the. I'm like, Jesus Christ, do you ever have a fucking second? They can <laughs> never do anything. So you almost you got me sold on. It's like I'm going to have to start signing up for these. Maybe we could go together to some of these like. um i'll introduce because they don't you. have to there's no rules right it's like no, i would love you, to go to south you, by southwest you would kill probably it probably cost would, a lot yeah you would kill it at the, at these uh at
1: these at these cons cuz they're all they're all remember when i mean everybody's nostalgic at these conventions i mean you get up, up and do a performance in front of that. you know what i mean you could do up in front of these people and um, you come up with shit uh based on star trek and star wars i mean um, i got i can't wait to see remember when i got to come down um and see if I, I mean, the whole, the whole, the whole convention world is super nostalgic for everything. So you could, you could fucking destroy
0: in front but of what, it, what, it, what are the prices to go to those? I mean, sure. You write it all off and it's part of your business. Like how many con there, you mean the con ones that are comic cons. The problem I think is like those, I always picture like a And this is bad that I think this. Mm -hmm. I think a Comic Con means it's all these nerds that like Star Wars and comic books. Like, I've never been one of those guys, right? But there's probably other categories. Oh, yeah. There's tons of categories. All comic books and these, like (laughs) this is me being really stereotypical, like some fat kid that lives at home with his mom and he's been playing video games his whole life. It's not all that. It's not all that. I mean, uh, are you familiar with cosplay? the the the
1: whole obsession, the whole art of dressing up like their favorite characters. No, it, this is a whole. This is a whole thing. I don't know any like, of this. Oh, this is this is this is like a whole. This is a huge part of the culture. Um, it's called cosplay, costume play, mm-hmm. and these 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 guys and these and these women take their 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 obsession with the characters so seriously that they create Hollywood-level costumes that look like they were like made in, in, in like Hollywood. Like for example, there's a guy that uh, shows up to every Comic-Con in New England dressed as Batman. He made the costume himself out of rubber and different synthetic materials and whatnot. And he looks like fucking Batman walking around. There are girls dressed like Harley Quinn. I think she's Joker's girlfriend sure she's really, she's really sexy with with ripped uh yeah my and daughter everything. dresses her for halloween once yeah <laughs> nice yeah <laughs> there, there are girls like dressed like that so that that's there's like that's a whole nother like aspect to the con scene now where these like hundreds of people come dressed as, as these characters and they have uh costume
0: contests
1: and they're what's, all the, what's
0: the next one you're going to do you know when it is
1: Uh, Yeah, well, in in, uh, March, I think I'm going to be doing a rock and roll extravaganza show at the Boxborough Inn in in Massachusetts. Um, I just got a text actually earlier from uh, a a big convention in Maine, but that's in July. Um, I'm going to be I'm going to lay low for the winter. Um, My wife is uh, six months pregnant right now. That's right. We're so the march
0: of- the march one's in vermont and, the, and and that one's geared towards what the the company that that's putting the, that, the companies
1: that's putting on that show is the northeast comic-con collectible extravaganza the dude gary summers and he puts on four shows throughout the year two are comic book in pop culture one is like a rock and roll themed extravaganza he's gonna have lots of bands playing and and different uh, vendors selling rock and roll type stuff. Do you
0: have any ins at like getting like they sound like things like I could go like they usually have tents, you know, and they do live shows. Is there a way I could get booked to perform my Remember When show at their their? Yeah, um, actually,
1: yeah. There's there's a, there's a great there's a great show coming up in June called PinTastic. It's a it's called it's a it's a pinball convention. Uh, in Sturbridge, Massachusetts, and uh, it if almost you could, it sounds like yeah.
0: anything that's connected to the '80s in a weird way would be a good spot to do this
1: pinball. Yeah,
0: the last, the last pin, the last pinball convention I did,
1: the whole hotel was completely sold out. They uh, unveiled the uh, brand new Guns and Roses machine from a pinball company called Jersey Jack, uh, who's coming out with pinball machines every year that are like so sick with like. LCD screens and uh, tons of like, like interactive shit in the play field. It's not like it, it's not like it old school pinball machines with bounce like magnetic bouncing parts and all yeah, that. You told us about this, yeah. Last week. So the so at that at that last pin pin when when they unveiled this this new Guns N' Roses machine, they got a Guns N' Roses cover band to to, to rock out the mezzanine at like from like ten till midnight and they fucking rocked they were so good
0: i love it i'm in it almost sounds like when you don't got gigs on the weekend you could still work on your career by trying to get to some of these things where you can you know keep pushing your brand out you know and And you you know what the best part about these the 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 people that show up to these types of events they're like
1: us they're like us and they're involved in their hobbies i mean the fact that Mm -hmm. they're there means that they're not sitting home on their fucking phone or, or just pretending to be involved in something. They're actually mm-hmm. participating in their hobby, in the things that, they, that they're that they passionate about. Even if it's waiting in line to pay for an autograph for somebody they admire, I still think that's cool that they're putting themselves out there, going to a place with their friends and family and interacting. And that's why, that's why Silk City is actually uh, doing well because not only am I selling the sauce to... you know these cool people at the shows but i'm leaving them all with my card which has a you know uh my website on it and um they're like if they if they love the sauce and they want more the only place they can get it is on my website and a lot of guys are are, you know are are hitting up my site so
0: they're great great fans yeah i noticed when i was posting silkcityhotsauce.com in different places the Mm -hmm. link wouldn't work and then when they you had to click it to get it to go to this other link, which was something else, right? Something shelf, something like. What is the main link? Right, right. Silk City Hot Sauce works,
1: but the original website was Levinsky's Top Shelf because right. before I rebranded, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about here. Yeah. I re- I was Levinsky's Top Shelf. The, my my brand looked like an old fashioned uh, like staff hires bread company. Right. I was going for that look. Right. Remember, I was telling you how I was trying to appeal to like that that Brooklyn hipster douchebag. Uh, everything, everything that looks old fashioned is cool. Right. So that's what my brand kind of looked like before. I was like, "Fuck that!" And just started putting cool graphics on it. So right. the guy that did my website, he had he had done the whole Levinsky's website. And then when I said, I'm changing everything to silk city, he's like, here we fucking go again. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> you heard that, life. right. Here, here, we
0: that. here we go again. Fuck you. They go dude. again. Matter Reese he's matter. They just call it a matter Reese, a matter Right. He's like, you fucking do you another matter. I'm like,
1: just fucking change it. I don't fucking pay you to, to criticize me. I pay you to make the website. So he was like, I'll just, uh, I'll just mirror silk city, which I bought to the site that he had already built. So, if you if you all you got to do is go to SilkCityHotSauce.com and it bounces you right into Levinsky'sTopShelf.com.
0: topshelf.com it's fu- for it some me. reason when i it, di- it didn't bounce you when i tried to put oh, that yeah. you know how you can add links in your story on instagram that's like a new thing you can do on instagram oh, cool. you used to not be able to do that so now you can add the link just in the story section and you can put it right on the on the screen it wasn't going to your site for some reason so i had to fix it but um I want to let's go to the phones here at the end of this episode and we'll uh this was a good this was a good chat I'm definitely you and I got to sync up and 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 have some fun and do some of these conferences I'm all in it it can't cost a crazy amount of money to be able and if the best way like you said is to if I can get a gig where they hire me to do comedy like I could even give them such a good price because I want to be there anyway. Dude, you could do both. You could probably get a table set up for just for being on all the huge shows that you've been on. Yeah, there's something there. Like, my dream is going to these conferences. Like, I used to be jealous. Like, there's certain things that I get jealous of. Like, people will go, do you ever get jealous of Sebastian Menisco? Certain things. And I'll be like, no, not really. But when I do get jealous is when they're doing something like that's – how would I put this? It's not – the straight path that a comedian is they, they find some unique other thing and they go around like an example would be Mark Maron. I didn't get jealous of him when his, his podcast first started really doing big, the uh, WTF podcast. When I got jealous is when he was getting hired to go to different conferences like the South by Southwest or whatever, and, and speak, not even do comedy. He's hired as an expert to give a uh, what do you call it like a powerpoint talk and i was I gotta like got to be an arrogant prick <laughs> I, lo- I love that though like that like you're an expert in a field and i mm-hmm. love i've always loved like talk like you know talking about that and i don't want to do it on in a virtual manner like because some people would say you can do that through facebook and you could charge people and they can ask you questions and you have a group i'm like ah i don't want i need to be in person and I'm not saying I want to get it now because I don't. I'm not an expert. I'm still trying to get to where I need to get to. But uh, and the other one would be like Louis C.K. I was a little jealous when he got his second television show, not the one on HBO. I didn't like that one, but when he got the show on FX and it was more like drama, dramatic and and occasionally funny, I was jealous because I was like, that's the kind of show I want to do as a mix of of drama as my uh as my logo went off my screen hold on Dude, i'm just
1: i'm just a man i'm just picturing right now in my head the uh joe the comic book i can introduce you to some of my friends i've become really good friends with comic book artists imagine a joe comic and like you take your jokes and you turn them into like a story a comic like book, a story and then you go to a show and you do you do stand up and then you hang out at your booth and you sell I never your even products. thought about that yeah, yeah because-, because nobody's done that i could Nothing I've ever. Nobody's.
0: That's got. That had to have been done because so many comedians are into comic books. Yeah, but they don't have their fucking. Uh, they don't. They don't know the artist. I don't know. Maybe they do. I've never seen a comic, uh, a comedian comic book, but we'll have to look into that. Well, the only one, like, all right, that's another one. There's another project. Here we go again. What is it? What is it? <laughs> you say? Do <to> you? All <laughs> yeah, right. Now here, we, here we go again. Oh yeah. What? My buddy <laughs> said. Uh, yeah, we're going for new going idea new yeah. idea 1000 uh i cuz we said it i i remember now cuz i was trying to remember talk i was talking to my dad yesterday my dad's a pretty creative guy and we have really good talks about this kind of stuff like you and i are talking about he's a pretty introspective guy for an older guy and uh and i couldn't remember th- when i that the movie i told you to see american splendor is right up your alley i forgot mm-hmm. that, i forgot and i was I got total ADD when I was talking to my dad, and I was like, "Shit!" I wanted to tell him that moment we had because he was telling me how he told some guy that he's friends with about some book that was like that was similar to what their conversation was, and the guy's like, "I'm gonna go read that book immediately." Right on! You guys are good recommenders. Yeah, I wanna I wanna talk to you after you see American Splendor. Maybe that's the next podcast. You gotta watch American Splendor because that's exactly what I would want to do. That kind of comic book. Mm -hmm right it's a lot maybe it, it, see i it's that's like making an animated television show but an easier way because you don't animation costs so much when it's di- you know made into a cartoon but well, when it's imagine. drawn it's not that much right you
1: can probably get a comic book made for i don't even know what but there are like industry standard prices
0: for like a cover page and each panel That would sell at a show because it's not like buying your act either. You'd be like, "Here's a comic book I created that's all about me and my life." Yeah, and just like your jokes. I mean, the one joke that
1: just came to mind was the one where you're on the plane and you're pretending that everything is cool and you hit the turbulence. That fucking joke fucking kills me. But yeah, um, even if you imagine just taking a joke like that. And just, you know, and and, and parsing it out in, in like eight panels. I don't know if, that's, if you, that joke is a great example. Well, have
0: you seen the Fixing Joe web series?
1: I've seen, uh, I've, it might have probably
0: been a while, right? Yeah, because that is something. I, it's so funny because I always come up with these ideas, right? And then someone will say, stop trying. Like the one idea was that I had a public access show called fixing joe and i had guests on and it was really low budget but then it's it went into a scripted version of my life from the show on every episode and like someone said to me i had a pitch meeting once with uh, chelsea handler's production company years ago and i used to do her show a lot and the guy was like you need to make both of those shows like i know you want to fuse them together but you should fuse them together after you make make the talk show for real and then make the scripted show for real and then fuse them together. Um, so, like, it would be the same as you could imagine a television show about a guy who had a comic book that's based on his life, who was, you know, married to a psychologist and all the shit he runs into as a dad. Like, that being a comic book he could you know on a tv show he'd be a comic book writer and occasionally just like american splendor you'd see it illustrated on the screen like a cartoon and then it goes into a regular show again um but i always get like the same reason why i started the fixing joe podcast people were like just do the fucking podcast stop trying to sell the tv show it's impossible to sell shit which it is but you if you can make uh if you can make comic books for not that much, I mean, I guess I'd have to talk to a comic book artist and say, well, what do I need to write for you to take the illustration and illustrate the dialogue? I guess I would just write the script and let's let them go, right? Yeah, I'm going to introduce you to a great artist. and um, That'd be so fun. And uh, he,
1: he's overseas and he's, uh, he's great. He's really great. He's actually, uh, he did the, this artwork. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's in he's in, he's in England and uh, he did this artwork. And these are these are the uh, two guys that wrote a comic book about a weed dispensary shop called Toking with the Dead. I met them at a comic book show. We hung out and had dinner and got drinks and everything. And uh, we, we now I have a reason it.
0: to be at the Comic Cons.
1: I'll have my own comic book. You'll have your own comic book. So we did. I did this saucer and their, their, their comic book is based on weed. There's no weed in the hot sauce. But we did a little uh little collab because they've got fans of their of their comic book and they've uh, recently started filming a live action series based on their show with Bill Diamond, who was like a a Jim Hensonite guy way back in the day. But anyways, that's that's the artwork.
0: Um, that I love this, it. That, so that, that seems the next the the new phrase that my friend makes fun of now. My friend Andres, who was the guy that shot the Fixing Joe Webb series, he's my super creative friend. <laughs> His, he, he mocks the phrase of, let's set, set up a Zoom and we'll talk about it. Like, But but I'm really like, yeah, set up a Zoom with this guy. And all three of us should um have a little powwow about the comic book idea. I, I love the concept. Cool. All right, I'm going to go to the phones here. And cool. hopefully you should be able to hear these calls. Did I do calls with you the first last week? No. All right. Let's go to the phones. Hopefully
2: you hear it. Yo, Ron Poliguan, give me a call, man. Uh, I'm not much for marketing, although I I guess I've done some marketing. But all I know is what I find interesting about you and what connects me. Um, I like it when you talk about your family. I can relate to that kind of stuff. I find that funny and interesting. And I like it when you talk about nostalgic things, just as sports, TV shows, and movies. By the way, it's that time of year again. It's a time of year to start we talk about Kramer vs. Kramer and watch it once a year. It's a great movie. My favorite holiday scene. It's when he goes in and he gets that job. Anyways. Hope all's good,
0: man. Take care. Bye. Do you do you know the uh do you know the scene he's talking about? No. It's uh it's funny because it kind of relates to what we're talking about, like you walking in and trying to sell your stuff to the store, to the stores and me being like that and being very entrepreneurial in the movie Kramer versus Kramer. It's a great, it's such a good fucking movie. I think it, I'm maybe he won the Oscar. I think he did win the Oscar Dustin Hoffman. You know, he, he, he loses his job and he's going to lose his son. His wife kind of left and doesn't want to raise the kid anymore. She leaves. And, uh, they're going to take his kid away if he doesn't get a job. And he's he's desperate. And he's like a super high-end advertiser guy. But he'll take anything, so he has a job. And he, he just needs to be able to say he's working, right? Mm-hmm. And he shows up at this one place with his portfolio on uh, at the company Christmas party. <laughs> they're all drinking. And he's like, I'm supposed to have a meeting. And they're like, what? He's like, I'm supposed to have a meeting. I think like a headhunter set him up on the job interview. <laughs> And he goes in to the job interview and the guy's looking at his stuff. He's like, you're overqualified. Like, this stuff's amazing. He's looking at all his, like, advertising portfolio. You're, this is great. And he's like, uh, so call us. You know, see what we can do. We'll have a second interview after uh, after January 1st, you know, after the holidays are all over. And he's like, no, 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 you got to hire me today. <laughs> they're like, what do you mean today? He's like, no, 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 no you got to give me a job today. Like, it's either not. I'm giving you a deal. This is what it has to be. You're hiring me right now or we don't or I'm 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 not going to work here. And they're like, "Fuck, alright, hold on." And then they end up they end up hiring him, right? <laughs> but uh my friend Ron always calls in. He goes, "I love He goes, he says Kramer versus Kramer is the best movie that has a Chris, company Christmas party at it cuz lots of movies have that. It seems a lot of movies take place around Christmas and you see those company Christmas parties in movies, <laughs> right? and I love it. Uh so what did you think of his uh what he said? Any thoughts? Yeah,
1: I agree with Ron. I mean, uh uh y- your, your family life is super interesting and funny. And uh talking about nostalgic things, going back to the days when like life seemed like like uh like it was it was easier and, and uh and time was didn't fly by it was great,
0: you know. And I agree Well, I guess that. that's what remember when really is. I do People think it's just going to be jokes about the 80s, but I'm talking personally in the show. It's like a lot of things that I did in the 80s, but I don't really talk about my wife. I talk about my kids a little bit in the show because it's comparing, uh, talking about a lot of the things that they do versus what we did. So um, maybe there is a way to get some more of a marriage because there's there's definitely a connection about a married being married now versus then you know how different it is yeah or being married right being married now versus not being married then yeah or or you could also show tv shows about and show how marriage looked on tv in the 80s like compared to what it's like now is ridiculous you know (laughs) uh all right let's go to the next call i like that call though ron always has good calls did i just skip ahead oh i skipped ahead by accident here we go Hey, it's Jerry Rowan from Philadelphia.
3: So I'm going to be honest, I, I don't know that I really have a, an answer to this question about branding, because I don't know that I understand it myself. Like I don't know that I could answer you right now. If you said, "What is Joe Maerisse's brand of
0: me?" I don't know that I could answer that. I, I can't answer that question. let's stop. Do you think that's a problem? If someone can't answer what your brand is, is that that could be a problem, right?
1: Yeah, that could be. But it, <laughs> it, yeah, but, you, it, but the fact that you have to like brand yourself as a comedian, which wasn't always the case
0: for you, like you said earlier, like, well, when you the were out there, this is it. Though, Jeff, I always, and I used to, when I used to teach, I would say this a lot. You can't be trying to brand yourself. Your brand has to just organically be seen without you explaining it like i never wanted to be a comedian that was like and i and that sucks because i do this which is hey i'm uh i went to community college my wife's really intelligent like that's not a clever way of showing who you are like i used to say david tell doesn't tell you who he is but you can just tell because all his jokes are in so out there and so left field you could see the way this guy's brain works so um there's a way of branding without
1: branding i know what you mean it's like every every superstar uh comedian that comes to mind is almost like a cartoon character in a way like like a rodney dangerfield
0: uh, uh, the way you you dress like rodney you know he had a way he dressed and he he, you know you're not going to see him occasionally when he wasn't on stage you'd see him in a robe he was always in a robe or he was in that suit with the tie and doing the thing and going, oh, man! And you could just – you were laughing before it even started because you just knew his character. You knew who he was before he started. Same right. with Larry David. You see you see what he is.
1: I mean, that's so, the genius
0: of some of these guys.
1: I mean, I don't really know how these guys think behind the scenes, but a guy like Rodney Dangerfield, for example, I mean, did he really understand uh, um, show business – to such a degree that he was able to create such an identifiable character, with like stitched together perfectly. I mean, you could you know you could put him up on a wall like a perfectly stitched um, uh, quilt, and, mm-hmm. it, and 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 you could walk in and know exactly what it is. You know well, that time. that
0: would be a good question if you could ask these guys if they were still alive. Like be, it would be Sebastian Maniscalco one that is like a cartoon, right? You wish you could ask him was it calculated cuz i know i i i was working with him before he got famous and mm-hmm. he was always like that he always had that slow thing right but he didn't usually dress the part as much mm-hmm. but he always had a felix ungerness where it was like he was acting like he needed everything to be really neat and picky and that's what was funny about him how like perfect everything had to be and if anyone wasn't that way he was mad about it but You would love to know like because as he got more famous he started dressing a certain way and like it looked really you you wonder if the managers and the agents get involved and start overthinking it sometimes because you sit there and go do i need to dress a certain way to say who i am because you shouldn't it should just be in your being like whatever i'm wearing i should be joe matterese um
1: Yeah, it's true but I I there's there, there's something about show business that 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 looks like it's just flowing naturally mm-hmm. but well, I'm not in the business of show business but since I can identify certain characters so easily based on the dialect the way they talked and especially the way they dress I mean they got you know and and I, that that's the same applies for like rock and roll I mean do you think Guns N Roses Picked out their own clothes, but like by the time they became superstars, I learned like a while back that Slash's mom is a uh, is a costume director in Hollywood. So I suspect that she may have even had something to do with the way they look. Because you look at a poster of Guns N' Roses in 1986, it's it's almost too perfect. Yeah, he had it's the almost hat. too fucking perfect. Like that from the leather pants to the hat and the bottle with the cigarette in his mouth. It's like a fuck it's like a fucking cartoon character he plays the guitar like better you know like like no one like no one yeah he's but amazing the look of each guy in that band for example i mean it's just too perfect so i, I don't know what i'm saying but sure. i, think, I think no I'm I, that I, I definitely
0: of- that 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 could be another one of my mistakes because i can tell you and it's something i think about more than i used to coming up it's you know it's funny I did interview Sebastian Maniscalco on my podcast, and I and I think he said this on the episode. Mm -hmm. And I used to make fun of it because he had that voice when he said it. He goes, "What's your uniform?" And I said, "What? Mm -hmm. What's your uniform? What do you wear up there?" Like Mm -hmm. he he revealed had a calculator. He goes, "Michael Jackson, Prince, they have a uniform." He goes, "I have a uniform. What's yours?" And I was like, "Huh." And again, why I said I don't think I'm at that next level is because I'm wishy-washy in the knowing who I am. And I think that comes from having a grandmother that I talk about in the Remember When show who was all over my shit telling me to quit comedy all the time. She wasn't behind it. I was getting a negative all the time. If I grew a beard, she'd go, why do you have the beard? If I grew my hair long, why is your hair long? Like, no matter what, it didn't look right. So that... Is one of the reasons I think I struggle a little bit with identity. Not as much. Some comedians I know really struggle with it, but like even right now, I was about, I was either going to, I'm either, I've said I'm either growing my hair long Mm -hmm. and keeping like a a longish beard, or I'm going to buzz it to like a zero, like a one, like as short as possible. I'm like, I always wanted to look like how someone in a band looks while he was doing comedy and I'm like grow your hair just the fact that you can grow your hair yeah and on your forehead and on your sides and yeah. you go even though it was getting thin and I was like oh I'll look bald if I grow it too long but I last night was the first night I really <laughs> ever did this I think I put a picture of it on my Instagram and it's not nearly exaggerated as I wanted to be I had a little bit of gel and I went to that band jam that I'm in once a week and I just fucking, I made my hair look messy as shit. I just, and it was like big because it's like long on the sides right now and getting longer on the top and growing in the back a little. And I was like, this looks cool to me. And I like looking weird. Like, I never used to want tattoos ever in my life. But I'm like, I, I, I'm not against them, though. Like, sometimes I see dudes with some tattoos and I go, that looks cool. The only thing that ever stopped me from getting tattoos was thinking, as an old man, I'm not going to. I'm I'm the indecisive guy who changes his mind a lot, so I'm afraid to get tattoos because I'll be like, "Why did I do that?" Do you have any tattoos? Yeah, my left arm is covered in tattoos. Oh, and, okay. Uh,
1: yeah my my legs are covered in tat bad. Are tattoos. they really? So,
0: do you ever second guess any of the tats, or you just get another one and say, "Fuck it"? Uh, well, they're all they're all tw- twenty years old, and they're 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 all terrible. <laughs> so you hate them all?
1: I, I don't give a shit though. You don't care though, okay. no, I think cook. I think it's hilarious that they that they stink. None um, of them are they, new. No, no, the last tattoo I got I was I think still in the nineties when I, I was eighteen. Oh, they didn't even do um, all, tattoos back then. Yeah, they're all done. We used to go to. We used to go to. Uh, remember Bound Brook, and uh, where was that? Where was that? Uh, that strip club in Jersey called Frank's Chicken House? Was it Bound Brook? It's like a. It's like this I real like kind of like uh, I like know Bound
0: but I don't yeah. know it well
1: there was uh, there was like there were tattoo parlors and uh and and churches and and uh strip clubs on every corner all so right, when I'm we when that. we all turned 18 we used to like like go to Baumbrook <laughs> for uh <laughs> to become men you
0: got me sold. I'll just grow this fucking hair out and let. Yeah, it's it's a shit. if
1: you, if you can grow hair and you can't, it's a big fuck you to every every bald guy out there. No, well there, my right?
0: hair is thin, so when I grow it long, I get this wide part that looks like I'm bald. <laughs> you can't tell in this lighting because I have it set so you can't see it. But my hair is thin on the top. But that so is I... the aged rocker look—the thin, long hair. Yeah, I Tom Petty you... like thin. I actually like this is going to be like a, a man thing, but like. Uh, this guy, uh, I think he's called. His name's Neil Gerardo or Neil Gerardo. He's the guitar player for Pat Benatar's band, and he's her husband. Did you ever see that guy?
2: He's uh, got I, long.
0: I he's it's got long hair. white hair, and I was like, I kind of like that. With, yeah. I don't mind that it's white. It just looks like what you should look to be old and in a band. He's got a crazy amount of tattoos. I, I wouldn't do that, but it's funny um, how your appearance. Does a lot in in the comedy world. Let's hear the rest of uh, Jerry's message here.
3: So I, I don't, I don't know
0: or Is this understand loud it enough? enough
3: to even answer you. And I, I've dealt with this myself as a, as a musician. Like you know, I I think I'm a pretty good you know singer, a decent songwriter, and uh, and 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 the people always talk about you got to brand yourself, and I'm like, what that? I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? I'm like, oh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what it means for me. And I don't, I don't know what it means for you. And, and I guess that's why I can't answer your question. <laughs> so I, I, I don't, I don't know. And I don't know what you're doing wrong because I, I, I don't understand it. So, um, and believe me, I've thought about it a lot. Like it, like, I, like, that's what I mean. Like I, it's not that I don't understand it because I haven't given it any thought. Like I've thought about it and I, I don't understand it. It seems like it kind of, is meant to limit you in a way like you got to put yourself in a box and this is what you are and like i've I've said this before i've always preferred you when you were to change lanes when you when you turn on a mic and just talk about whatever you want without it being necessarily in uh, any kind of brand or 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 a box like just and, and i like that for myself as well like i've written all kinds of songs and i've been with fans but without fans sometimes they're this way or that way anyway i could go on and on about this but i don't have an answer so i'm gonna stop all (laughs) right i'm sorry so long
1: yeah yeah man he's 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 right i mean take a band like ween you from you know the band ween i don't uh they're, they're they're legends from uh new hope pennsylvania and uh they've got several albums and like they like what they've got a country album They've got a rock album. They've got uh, psychedelic albums. They're absolute legends. Uh, I'm sure, like there's got to be some fans out there who are like, yeah, of course we love Ween, but uh, they never box themselves into
0: a corner. They just recorded what they felt what they liked. Well, I think there's, in a weird way, if you do that, that becomes your brand that you didn't brand. It, right. I, like if you're <laughs> you're known as the, the the band that had a lot of different styles you can't and, catch the break even not branding is a brand that's a brand
1: holy shit
0: what i'm saying and that i can tell you and i, I i'm not even questioning when uh i'm not asking what did i do right and what did i do wrong mm-hmm. now after talking with you to me it's obvious which is not knowing and um there needs to be a little piece of being in the know and back in the old days you watch any documentary about bands and and musicians and anybody in a creative field that sometimes they had super you know there were there's some documentaries out there that are about famous managers that really did have a clue what sucks about comedy i've i've i only knew one guy that i always thought had a clue and every other guy i knew that managed comedians i was like this guy doesn't have a fucking clue okay. like not only does he have a clue he's an asshole he's not a nice guy he's a jerk off and they're just fucking wrong and they're wrong like you're just going you're not a genius you know and there's a reason why like everybody that's big like they left somebody to go to somebody else. It's like they, they, they disagreed, did what they wanted to do, got big. And then, then got to somebody that could handle them big, but there was no one that ever steered the ship, but there are, when it comes to music, I've seen that there's a documentary called super Mensch, mm-hmm. where this guy like managed all these bands and like, they all idolize this guy. And he has like a retreat in Hawaii. And like some of these band guys will go hang out with him to like, relax when they're not on tour and he had the idea of what alice cooper needed to do and how to brand him and all that so unfortunately it seems like an outer person is better yeah definitely you. and it's and it, you just reminded me that it's hard when you're when you're
1: a dude who's trying to uh, make a living branding yourself and you don't have a think tank of of millionaire uh, uh, hedge fund guys behind you, like mm-hmm. for example, there are companies that come into Vermont sometimes that just appear out of nowhere that look so perfect right from the get-go. And I'll I'll do some investigative research and I'll find out that uh, the company was started by a hedge fund group, and they before they even before they even pushed go, they were, they, they, they were had thinking. hired you know like a like a like a think tank. Right. Or a marketing firm, you know, for like six, you know, six hundred dollars an hour to create a brand before they even before they even launched it. Whereas, whereas a guy like you and a guy like me, which is working alone, taking advice from our friend Pete or my wife, you know, or my uh, my brother, you know, the, the naysayer, or uh, you know, our friends and family. But when 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 uh, when when people are actually working with high level. Execs in the industry, like I, I used to, you know, like I, I, I just realized, like, like there's no, like, I couldn't, I can't compete with that type of environment
0: up against me. Right. Well, sometimes those guys, even those guys that are super successful, really rich guys, sometimes they don't even know. Like, I had that idea, and I had that on the string, and people have probably heard me talk about it on the podcast. I had investors in my first comedy special. They gave me a bunch of money to make it. And there was a time where I went to dinner with the, with the really rich main guy. And he was interested in representing me like buying a racehorse, which and I got really interested. I thought that was a great concept because I said, I don't think people in the industry I'm in are geniuses. They're not business people that what they do is they represent a million people and maybe one or two of them will hit. And then they they got like 60 other people they rep. So like if they were super great, they'd have like six guys that were all fucking huge. Right. And there was a couple managers out there at one time, Joe Rogan, I think has been with the same guy forever. This guy, Jeff Sussman. And I used to, I used to want him to manage me because he was like, he was managing Joe Rogan, uh, Kevin James. He had like, he only had like four guys, but they were all mega famous and they all wow. stayed with him for like 30 years. They never left. And I'm like, that's the, that's he's the only guy. So Everybody a comedy else, manager, a comedy manager doesn't only just book gigs, but they, they're like a, like almost like a coach in a way they're supposed to. That was what you always thought they were supposed to be. Yeah. That they were like guiding it. They were help. Like, you know i had an agent one time we used to have these kind of conversations like i'm having with you right now um he was my age he was like a hip pocket agent and he was getting me ready for the montreal comedy festival and he would like go every night he would want me to call him every night and again guess i guess how i hooked up with that guy that was all from me and my personality him him and me having a car he used to need rides everywhere and i used (laughs) to I was one of the only comedians in New York City that had a car. Everybody else had Subway. I, I never lived in Manhattan. I always lived in Queens or in Hoboken, New Jersey, right on the other side of the tunnel. So I had a car always. And I would give these guys rides. And the ride was a great time. It never felt like I was trying. I didn't like if it felt like I was trying to sell. Like it was more like I either genuinely got along with you and we could hang or it didn't. And this guy was was cool and we used to hang and talk then he got really big and then <laughs> he moved to la and i don't hear from that guy anymore <laughs> i've seen him at some festivals but um uh we got two more callers cool. we could talk about this shit for seven hours that's a good sign i guess it's interesting i'm gonna need an editor <laughs> next call joey
3: you joe know, what's going on uh, your old buddy arnold from south jersey uh you want to know what you're doing right well i'll tell you what
1: I know and see everything you do online because I get notifications on everything. I don't know how you do it, but uh I know everything is going on and everything you post, which is awesome, just don't start sending me like notifications of bowel movements and you know, things like that and I'll be happy. But uh keep letting me know when you post videos when you have your podcast going up and things like that. I enjoy the notifications. Maybe you can teach me how to do that sometime. Later.
0: That's funny that he said that. I don't do anything that makes people get a notification. I just post it, and I guess if you have your notifications on, you get it when you follow somebody, right? Right. Yeah, I've. I think I. I pushed
1: uh, I. pushed notifications for one follower, and I think I did it by accident. But I get. I get these notifications from uh, this guy called. Uh, he's like this. He's like the weed Jesus on Twitter. Hmm. Uh, I just have like this loose affiliation with uh, uh, it's uh, with him, but every time he does something, my phone does ding, and I'm like, "Why the fuck do I even get? Did I do that?" But
0: mine just come on banners on the screen whenever somebody, you know, it's usually if somebody uh, commented on something or whatever. I used to have them all shut off, which was stupid. I used to think I don't want these people to bother me. I had this is how clueless I was. I didn't know that that affected the algorithms like you need to write back to everybody that writes you shit because that's how they do it that's how it works you can't hide you're not allowed it's like i had another stand-up bit that i posted it never got a lot of hits but i thought it was funny it was like an (laughs) it's probably too old school it was the rat pack if they had to deal with social media now (laughs) and how they couldn't handle it and it was like sinatra and sammy in a limo You know, and Frank's like, we gotta go live stream right now. And and Sammy's like, What do you mean? We're we're done, man. We're in the limo, we're out of there. I'm I'm cutting coke right now. Let's have a good time. He's like, No, we gotta go, we gotta stream with the fans live in the moment. And I go, And the right negative shit about you right now, Dean. What do they say? And I'm like, They said you should have kept the beak. You looked better before the nose job. (laughs) <laughs> and he's like what the fuck and like that was the bit and i was like i remember ad living that one night and and like only like a few people like my age are like dude that's fucking great i love that you're acting i'm like that would have been a great saturday night live sketch probably hilarious well. it. yeah it'd be so funny to see those guys. yeah but that it's it's an interesting point because those guys
1: went out and did their job they did show then they business. were done no they, one they
0: had done, done. I've worked Literally. with comedians. They do not go. They go into the green room as soon as they're done, and they don't shake hands when they're done. And I always go out there and talk to the people as they're leaving. And I'm like, and I'm less famous than the guy that's hiding. And I'm like, fuck. What do I need to hide? Do I need to be more of a? Does it need to be a mystique? I, I actually like talking to the people. I don't know. Man. All right, let's go to the last call. It's a seven-hour podcast, taking up your whole night and day, Jeff. You go with this, yeah. This is this is fun. <laughs> all right, let's see what uh, let's see what we got here. Last one, everybody.
2: Hey, Joe uh, Matt
0: from SS Philly calling
2: regarding the uh, questions you posted. Um, you know, hey, what do you what do I think your brand is doing right? And Joe, I think you're doing a great job of spreading yourself out among all these social media platforms. I mean, for someone our age, I don't have time to be on all these platforms, but the fact you're taking the time to continually be present and showing material, both old and new. So I think that was going great. Um, and you had your question, so what do you think you're doing wrong to go from pretender to contender? I guess my question for you, Joe, is, well, define what you mean by contender. Like, what what, what do you wanna do? What, at the end of the day, what's the goal here, right? Is it to be a millionaire comedian? Is it to make 10 movies, have a series? or what is it? Because I think as a comic, it's gonna be difficult unless you're at the right spot, at the right time, at the right people who saw you, that you'll get, quote, discovered. But I think, you know, now that the live shows are coming back up, I think you're a great live show. And I think you know, need to have more material all the time and keep getting out there. And even don't restrict yourself to Northeast United States, Philly, New York. Your humor applies to everyone, Joe, especially if you remember when tour. Talk about your family, and your kids—that's relatable to everybody. So, I always believe that you always have to keep pumping out material all the time. So, anyway, hope that helps, Joe. Uh, hope you have a great holiday, everyone, and uh, we'll talk soon.
0: What do you got on that, Jeff? Well, he, make,
1: he, he makes a, a great point. Uh, what do we want out of you know out of uh, life? What do we want out of our career? What is the top? level we want to achieve and what does that level mean does it mean or like for example that my the people are are buying hot sauce uh at every store from coast to coast like i originally had planned or that i could or that i build a nice little business that can support my little family Um, after you know considering those options years ago i pulled out of every grocery store and decided to just build a little brand that i can support my family and uh without without you know going without worrying about uh selling it in the grocery stores but for you for you the, the the thing that struck me earlier is when you said the clubs are booking the uh house people that are that are, have household names or are popular on social media and they're just not booking you like they were at some point that's the most frustrating thing because you have your show remember when you've got your stand up. And uh I think it's 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 that it's the it's that clubs aren't booking is the part not, that I can't remember.
0: Some of them like um I won't say the name of it, I was referencing them earlier in the show, but I didn't say who they were. But like I said, you could he, he might be able to tell. And I don't hate the guy. He's a nice guy, he's always fair to me. always gets back to me he doesn't ignore it doesn't ignore me doesn't ignore my uh my representation but um it's the harp pill to swallow is i used to work there and he used to book me and my numbers i think are better now than they were then and there was i think i didn't sell enough tickets those three or four times that he did hire me and then he just changed his mind or maybe business got tighter from the 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 pandemic um but the where i did get booked i can't get booked anymore that's that's the harder one so um but if i had to take what he said and answer the other question what is what what do you really want what do you define as contender um and i don't think i want it because it makes me really rich because it would it would mean I was making a lot of money if I had this. But and and some of the reason why I try to do these one man show type things is I try to get it to achieve that um that more actor uh feeling that I have in the, on the inside and then I, it comes up missing sometimes. The only time it didn't miss is when I made that Fixing Joe web series. Like that felt like that was like That was exact I loved making those episodes Mm -hmm. and I loved doing that and why I was jealous of Louis CK when he got to do that. Um that feels like um that's the only thing that's really feels unfulfilled to me is getting you know that's why it piqued my interest when we talked about making a comic book. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. that felt like that would fulfill that feeling of telling your story in a funny way where you don't need to be a household name, like going that Harvey P car route, which is like, what if you could become, and it doesn't matter. You're old. Cause we don't have to make you look old or you could be old in the pictures. It doesn't matter. Like, it feels like as a stand-up comedian, dude, you know how hard it is for me to get spots in New York city. Now being older, like it's a young man's game, big time. You know what? You know what's so cool
1: about about uh, the 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 comic book conventions and all the cons too. Like you said earlier, you said uh, when you were talking about not being a comic book guy, I'm not either. Um, I'm a you know I'm a hard boiled detective guy, but I'm not a comic book guy. And I feel completely at ease at these shows. I mean, there are people walking around, and, and there's sci fi nerds, and there's Star Trek nerds, and there's you know every other kind of nerd. Uh, Game of Thrones, I, uh, and uh, all that stuff, but it's it's really like a really cool inclusive group of people, and the fact that you're not a comic book guy, but we're going to jump into the world of of comics and, and create a, a hilarious comic that's different than a superhero or any of the other any of the other types of comics. Is there a lot of comedic
0: genre comic books?
1: Not that I've seen. No, kind of like
0: a sitcom, kind of
1: no i haven't seen any like that there's a lot of dark and a lot of sci-fi and a lot of fantasy uh, i'm trying to think like just walking around the comic con you know there's a lot of horror horrors very big right now but uh just i can't, just, I can't picture you, like a just like a regular you know funny guy style comic book
0: let me show i'll just gonna show you like this just makes me laugh um if I can find it. I'm gonna show you just the way they illustrated Paul Giamatti in mm-hmm. American Splendor. Um, I'm trying to think what I should Google. Maybe I'm gonna, comic. I'm gonna watch it this week. It's well, it's a real comic book, so you could even see that. Like the real comic book is probably what they used in the movie. Um Let's see here. Funny, I mean, this one literally looks like him. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what? I actually did
1: see that movie when it came out. But when when did it come out?
0: It's, it's old. so long
1: ago. Oh yeah, that's cool. It's that's old. It's funny. But like, you not know, like in the early two thousands, like two thousand three or something. And it looks
0: like this too, which is different. Why can't I get that? That hold on the camera yeah it's it's awesome um but uh i bet there's nothing about a guy middle-aged with a wife and kids story in the comic book world maybe there i don't is. think so it would it would, it would it would break down so many so many barriers into like a whole new genre you could probably be a little more honest in a comic book. It's like doing an animated show where you're allowed to be. You can you can get a little. You can push envelopes a little more, right? There's no. I mean, is, comics, there, is, comics, there is there an FCC? Is there rules of what you can no, say? In no, comics comic are all
1: across the board. I mean, they're violent and they're and they're sexy and they're 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 real. They're superhero. No, nah, as far as I can tell, there aren't any. There aren't any regulations. Are people um,
0: reading them, or are they just collecting them these days?
1: I think a little bit of everything. I mean it tell how long does it take to read a comic? I mean, you could take a you know you could read read an issue in about five minutes. Could it be digital? yeah, definitely and i mean if you if you went if you went paper, we could even put ads in it for like hot sauce or uh, clubs or oh, you could uh, put hot links in it oh yeah, like uh, yeah, if you went digital, right we put links right
0: in there um but we'll talk that's about so, that later that's on something I think you can't... don't really see you see comedian i've done this where i've animated some of my bits with an artist before where we did a cartoon he took the actual audio from the stand-up and animated it i've done that you see comedians doing that but it would be cool to just put up a still picture like like those ones in the newspaper where it's one picture with an illustration and it's just funny with like a little exchange like it's almost like bazooka joe you know yeah, like family circus like one one yeah, image with one funny thing that's about this guy's life.
1: Yeah, what I would what I would suggest doing is for over, over the next like a uh, couple of weeks is looking at different comic books and looking at the different looking at different styles. Yeah. And uh see like like if American Splendor like is is appealing or
0: or Superman comic or, you know, Batman comic. I right? hate superheroes. I've never, I'm right. one of these guys, even with movies, I can't watch superhero movies, but I love movies and TV shows that nail nail life in a really honest way. Like, mm-hmm. like Seinfeld did, did it in an exaggerated way, but it was funny because it was just so every day, but like, I love that style of hitting observations that, and it's something I don't do in my standup now as much as I used to, which is hitting an observation that people go, Oh my God, I never heard anybody say that, but I do that all the time or whatever.
1: Right. So I think, yeah, we'll, we'll find, we'll, we'll find a style of artwork that matches that vibe. Maybe it's like a more along the lines of like an Archie style comic, with like your name up top and big letters, Joe, on top like archie but not like a rip off but just something yeah. that like kind of maybe you know uh pays uh respects to like a, a certain style of, of of a comic or just well, maybe we'll come up with our come up with our own
0: maybe next week we could have the artist on the podcast for sure would he do it yeah definitely and he's really quiet is he the guy you says really quiet
1: no well there's that well i'm friends with a bunch of different artists um so we'll, i'll talk to you off air and we'll figure out who uh i'll have you look at their, their different artwork okay sort of like choose choose an artist based on that or i, I don't we'll like, interview him on the podcast yeah because there's a guy the, the the english guy i don't know if, uh if the timing would work at all right i've actually never even talked to him except through email but i've you know another
0: artist friend in massachusetts that actually would be happy to get on the pod it oh, well. helps that they're funny. Like, like if it's some British guy who's got a really good sense of humor, that helps a lot. Those okay, British cool. Yeah, I'll I'll reach funny. out to
1: him. i if he wants to come on. Maybe we'll do it at like three
0: o'clock in the morning or something. I don't know. I don't care. Yeah, we can do that, or we could do it early. Cool. All right. Well, um, let me uh, let's let's sign off. Let's sign off with the little theme song as we're here. Hopefully, you can hear that. Probably hear it low. Well, thanks everybody uh, for listening to another Pretender to Contender. Of course, I'm Joe Matarese, as you see, scrolling the whole episode at the bottom there. If you want to advertise on my TikTok, on my podcast, you can contact me directly through my email, matarese67 at gmail.com. That's matarese67 at gmail. You want to get yourself some Silk City hot sauce? Uh, you can go directly to silkcityhotsauce.com and uh, check out all the different kinds he's got there, and I'm telling you, if you want to get addicted to something, try try the uh, now now I'm stuck with it Mango Madness, oh my god it's like addicting, my son and I had the whole bottle yesterday, and I'm gonna have to get some more. I'm gonna need it in like a bigger, but do you sell it in like a 64 ounce?
1: I might have to start selling that <laughs> one. If I, you was, I
0: licked the plate yesterday. That's not that's not shouldn't be done with hot sauce, but I licked the plate when I was done scooping.
1: That's our new all right slogan. everybody.
0: Uh, thanks for coming on again, Jeff. All we'll right, Joe. Nice to talk to you, week. pal. Have a Night, great everybody. Week. Have a great week, everybody. It's the longest podcast ever, but I'm going to leave it all. Hang, we're leaving it all out there. I don't care. Beautiful man. All right, guys. See you later. Let's fade it out.